Yeah, yeah, yeah. We know medical care requires informed consent, but laws require informed consent. Politics, entrepreneurship, how you engage with your diet, health, exercise, even relationships. These all require a place of being informed. And I am so sick of being called a conspiracy theorist for using my brain and being informed. So that's where this podcast came to life. This is Informed Consent. I'm your host, Brooke Brewer. Let's start talking. October 21st, 2009 was a very critical date in the vaccine world. On this date, Merck announced that based on input from the Advisory Committee on Immunization Practices, the ACIP, professional societies, scientific leaders, and customers, Merck has decided not to resume production of the individual measles, mumps, and rubella virus vaccinations. Instead, they were only going to provide the MMR vaccination, which is the first and only of its kind of a three-in-one cocktail live virus vaccination. Today, you cannot ever get a solo measles vaccination or a solo mumps vaccination. If you want to vaccinate yourself or your child for one of these viruses, you must get the full MMR vaccine. There is not the ability to get one by itself. And this is so extremely controversial. It's controversial in so many ways, aside from the fact that this is a three-in-one live virus vaccination, but not giving parents the freedom to maybe deny or delay a specific virus, say the measles, but choose to maybe want rubella. This vaccination gives the freedom away from parents to be able to do that and instead is giving them only one option. Yes, their reasonings might have been lack of demand and the need to use manufacturing space to increase MMR vaccination. There may have been their reasonings, but I also wonder if these reasonings were to take the choice away from parents and to force them in getting the full MMR. According to the CDC schedule, the MMR vaccination is the vaccination that we are going to discuss in today's episode. It's a very controversial vaccination. It's a very interesting vaccination, and it's a very confusing vaccination because there's so much that goes into it. At the end of the day, taking the idea of a live virus, a virus that is still living when you inject it into one's body, one live virus in itself is harsh, but then putting three live viruses together and injecting them all in the same vial into our young children's, they give this vaccination at 12 months of age and around age five. But in a natural course of childhood, Kids don't even catch three major illnesses at the same time. With live virus vaccinations, we are trying to mimic nature and induce an immune response. 
Why can't people ask the questions about the large amount of side effects that come from this? And it just makes me wonder if it has anything to do with the fact that we are hitting our young children's immune systems with not only one, but three live virus diseases simultaneously when in normal, natural reality, that wouldn't ever happen. And we see kids walking around with so many side effects that yes, they might claim it's nothing to do with vaccinations, but there's so much data. And we're going to talk about on this week's episode, pulling even up the vaccine inserts. You guys, you're going to be mind blown. We're going to dive deep and we would probably have a long episode today because we are going to cover the NMR vaccination. We are going to cover each individual virus. So the measles, the mumps, and the rubella viruses, we are going to go into everything like we always do in this vaccine conversation series. But as always, before we get into it, let's chat about one of our sponsors for the show. Organ meats were eaten and prized by our ancestors for their vital properties. Throughout time, there's been so much negative stigma around organ meats and liver-specific supplements. I've recently dove into the benefits of beef liver and organ meats, and the benefits are astonishing. So astonishing that I was so beyond thrilled to try this new product because let's be honest, I still can't get over the taste trying to eat these organs, which is why having them encapsulated with the most nutrient dense foods on the planet with a unique blend of nine different organs has been so incredible for me. I have noticed so many changes for the positive in my health and my wellness my menstrual cycle, my hormones, so many incredible things, even from my energy to my sleep, everything I feel has been so much more regulated with taking this supplement from Optimal Carnivore. Optimal Carnivore is a complex created by grass-fed beef raised in New Zealand, which is known to have the most clean and pure farming land on the planet. And they provide a nutrient dense supplement that contains a blend of grass-fed organ complex, which contains nine different organs that helps to give your body the nutrients it craves in the raw form that our ancestors grew up with. This supplement contains a complex of a combination of beef, liver, brain, heart, thymus, kidney, spleen, pancreas, lung, and gallbladder to help ensure a full spectrum support. Each organ contains its own unique benefits and you benefits a nutritional profile. Again, these These organs are sourced from 100% grass-fed beef organs from the animals in New Zealand. They gently freeze-dry the organs to preserve all of the vitamins, minerals, proteins, and enzymes. I love this because this is easy to take the organ meats and get a high quality beef organ supplement without having to worry about the guesswork of cooking and trying to eat organ meat that maybe might not taste the best for you. You can skip the taste, the smell, and the hassle of cooking organ meats and take these incredibly nutrient capsules instead. To order this incredible supplement, they have the grass-fed organ complex as well as the beef liver capsules, which are both what I take. You can actually just get this right through Amazon, search Optimal Carnivore, and you can use code BROOKB10 to save you 10% off at checkout. Again, that's code BROOKB10 at checkout to save you 10% off your order. So the MMR vaccination, the MMR vaccination is a vaccination that's given at our 12 month checkup. 
So at 12 months of age, so one year old, with a booster at about five years. The vaccine is approved for older kids and adults of any age as well. It is also recommended that if you are in a outbreak of either measles, mumps, or rubella to get another MMR vaccination. Like I shared at the beginning of this episode, this vaccination is a three-in-one vaccination. So this vaccine, like I shared, vaccinates for the measles, mumps, and the rubella in one. You cannot get each one individual. If you want to get a vaccine of any of the three viruses, you have to get the full MMR. Also with the MMR, which is a huge controversial aspect of it, is it is a three-in-one live virus vaccines. One advantage that some may say to the live virus vaccine is that a person needs only one initial shot for it to work, and that is because there is the live virus vaccine. So as you guys are learning in this series, typically when you have a live virus vaccination, you do not need the adjuvants because essentially the the virus when it's live is much more strong. So our body naturally will have a stronger immune response. Whereas in the vaccines where there is not a live virus, the virus is dead in the vaccine. They need adjuvants because they need a reaction in the body, which is why a lot of vaccines have aluminum and formaldehyde and other ingredients to essentially piss our bodies off to create an immune response. And so with live viruses, you typically tend to not have as many harsh types toxic ingredients because there is no need for those adjuvants. But in this specific vaccine, because it's a three-in-one live virus vaccine, it is much more controversial because like I had shared, getting three viruses essentially at once is something that we will never normally see in reality of life. And yet we're going to get it in a vaccine in children that are about 12 months of age. But with that, with live viruses, you typically don't need as many boosters because they work better because they have the live viruses. So instead of needing an initial series of, let's say, three or four shots, you only typically need the one at 12 months old and then one a few years later at about your five-year checkup. The booster is needed because the first shot doesn't work well enough to generate the measles immunity specifically in about 5% of children, the mumps specifically in 4% of children, and rubella in 1% of children. So the booster helps to cover this minority. In other words, only about 5% of children really actually need that second dose. Because according to science and according to these clinical studies, that only about 5% of children actually don't have that immunity from the vaccine, about 95% of people will get immunity to measles, mumps, and rubella, according to these clinical studies, from the vaccine. MMR is a vaccine that sometimes is recommended in women who just given birth as well. Um, During prenatal care, all women are checked for rubella immunity, and those who have lost their immunity will be offered an MMR vaccine in the hospital after the baby is born. This way, a pregnant woman isn't at risk for catching rubella during the next pregnancy. A separate rubella vaccine used to be made for this purpose, but the company once again stopped making it. We're going to get into the connections with rubella and infants here soon, but just kind of want to share who exactly is allowed to get MMR, who it is recommended for. So let's break down each specific virus in the MMR vaccination. So let's first talk measles. 
Measles is a virus that travels throughout the body and causes a fever or rash. This rash looks red. It's got round bumps and spots all over the body and typically starts to spread from the face down the stomach out to the limbs. It can have red eyes, a runny nose, and even a cough. The rash can look similar to rashes symptomatic of other diseases. So it's actually very difficult for doctors, much as a parent, to to recognize. A blood test can be done to confirm the diagnosis. How is measles transmitted? Measles is transmitted like the common cold, and infection usually creates lifelong immunity. A mild case of measles looks like the just shared symptoms. The child feels ill and and typically needs to stay home for about a week, and then life returns back to normal without typically any problems. A moderate case of the disease involves some potential complications such as ear infections or pneumonia. This would be much more of a serious case, but generally the pneumonia that is caused by the measles can typically be very treatable with an oral antibiotic. These complications tend to be very uncommon. The high fever can make a child feel miserable for several days. And this is the most common, I guess you could say, moderate case of measles that you would see. There are typically very, very rare amounts of severe cases of measles. They're very far and few between, but when they do happen, yes, they can be scary. Most um, serious complications you see from measles is encephalitis or encephalopathy in which the brain becomes inflamed and can be dysfunctional. Another complication of measles when it is in a severe case is severe pneumonia that interferes with lung function and oxygenation. Rare, 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 rare cases that require intense medical care with life support while the infection runs its course. There has been a lot of studies, though, that have shown that a high dose of vitamin A therapy can be used to lessen the duration and severity of the disease. So whether you have a mild or more severe case, vitamin A is actually one of the recommended treatments for measles. And there really truly isn't a treatment for measles. Measles is a virus that just needs to run its course. If you have more severe complications, let's say pneumonia, where pneumonia has its own treatment of antibiotics, that is an option. But measles itself is a virus that tends to just need to run its course. But they have found that high dose of vitamin A therapy once again, can be used to lessen the duration and the severity of the disease. Measles is not very common. In the United States, there's about 275 cases of measles every year. They do find that some years are very high. The infamous 2019, where we saw a very large outbreak, there was about 1,300 cases, whereas in 2020, there was a much lower amount of cases versus the average or versus what we saw in 2019. So it typically varies, but on the average, we see about 275 cases a year. We have not had a measles fatality in the United States in over 20 years now. They say that one in about every 10,000 cases 
have fatalities. So of the cases that we see, as we know, it's pretty low in the United States, then we can do that math and actually find the statistics of how often there are fatalities. As always, no fatalities are are okay, but the the risk is so low. We're seeing about, again, approximately one in every 10,000 cases are fatal. We have actually found that there have been more cases in European countries. So typically when the United States has outbreaks, it's because they are from American tourists who bring the illness back from Europe. Moving on to mumps. Mumps is the second virus in the MMR vaccine that we vaccinate for. And mumps is a virus that causes fever and swelling of the saliva glands in the cheeks kind of right in front of the ears. This is kind of known to be the chipmunk cheek disease because of those swollen glands in the cheeks. The swelling of the cheeks is usually the most telling telling sign of mumps and a blood test can be done to confirm the diagnosis. It is transmitted just like measles, kind of just similar to the common cold. And once you catch mumps, you are protected for life. So just like measles, you get natural lifelong immunity. You do as well with mumps when you get it naturally. Mumps is usually so mild in children that many might only have a minor fever and sore throat and not even know that they have mumps. Some might even connect this with thinking that they actually have the common cold. Some might have the slightly swollen glands in the cheeks, which is the typical visual factor of having mumps. You might also with mumps have a headache, muscle aches, tiredness, or even loss of appetite. A moderate case of the disease includes a higher fever than just the minor case, severe sore throat, and much more swollen facial glands, that body aching and fatigue that really can knock a child down for a couple of days. Teens and young adults who catch mumps are more likely to have a more moderate to severe case than young children, so they are actually typically more likely to feel ill than younger children. There is no treatment necessary beyond alleviating the bothersome symptoms. So some may say that in order to treat the mumps, you can, you know, help with the fever, you know, you can take something to help with the fever and the headache, but you're not actually treating mumps. You're more just relieving the symptoms. Severe cases of mumps is very rare, but also very unpredictable. That person can develop painfully swelling of the testicles or ovaries that can occasionally result in fertility problems later on. Arthritis, kidney problems, and heart complications also can occur with severe cases of mumps. Infection within the brain is the most serious complication and can lead to brain dysfunction or even death, which is also extremely rare. Deafness can also be a result of inflammation in the inner ear. Severe cases of mumps are hospitalized for supportive care, but once again, there is actually no direct treatment that exists currently. It's just, once again, relieving the symptoms. If any other issues or let's say inflammation of the testicles, as we shared, arises, there are treatments or there are something to relieve those issues, but there's once again, not an actual treatment for mumps. Mumps overall tends to be more mild than measles, but actually we are seeing more of it lately. 
over the years we were seeing, it's almost flip-flopping. We were seeing much more of the measles and less of mumps where we are actually seeing less of measles and actually more of mumps lately. A lot of years we were actually only seeing about 300 cases, but in some recent years, we've been seeing close to 2000 cases a year, actually recently over 6,000 cases a year. Most of actually these reported cases of mumps are in fully vaccinated communities. In fact, to be specific, in the spring of 2006, a mumps outbreak occurred among Iowa college students and spread to several surrounding states. This was the year where more than 6,000 cases eventually were reported, and it was the largest outbreak in over 20 years. About 20 victims were hospitalized, and none of the cases were fatal. Most of the infected people had been vaccinated during their childhood, but immunity from the vaccine usually wears off during childhood, but this wasn't the case of the vaccine failure. It actually occurred simply because adults don't get booster shots for mumps. Other cases like this have actually come to bring more present that the vaccine actually works the least successfully for the mumps. There is many that will argue and say that this vaccine has done wonders for the measles and the rubella virus, but the mumps virus, we find the vax really stopped working very well. And one of the reasons for this is because they have actually been using the same strain year after year after year after year. And in doing so, it becomes weaker every single year. So every year, the vaccine is working less and less successfully because it's just becoming more and more weak. Once again, mumps is not treatable, but they do say a more of a holistic approach is you can try to salivate more. And that can typically help to help to have this virus run its course. More citrus fruits in specific will actually help to help you salivate more and help to help to drain that saliva. Just like the measles, rubella, that is a virus that causes a fever and a rash. This rash is red, round bumps, and spots all over the body, very similar looking to measles. It can also cause aching joints and swelling of the glands behind the ears and in the neck. A blood test can confirm the diagnosis in this virus as well. It is also transmitted like the common cold, and a person that catches rubella only catches once in a lifetime. So once again, we see another lifelong immune virus if you get it naturally. This illness is actually so mild in both children and adults that most cases don't even present any symptoms beyond mild fever and a generic rash that usually goes unrecognized. They actually say that about 25, the CDC specifically states that about 25 to 50% of the people infected with rubella will not experience any symptoms at all. Rare, moderate cases include some fever, body and joint aches, and rash. The disease does not cause severe illness in infants, children, or adults. There is no known treatment for rubella as well. 
the question that gets posed a lot with rubella is if rubella is so mild to where so many people don't even know that they have it, why do we vaccinate for rubella? So we do it because if a pregnant woman catches rubella while she is pregnant, it can infect her baby in the womb. And this actually can cause birth defects. Rubella is the most dangerous for pregnant women and the growth of the young child in their bellies that they are growing. And when this spreads and infects to that growing fetus, that baby could hit could have birth defects, birth defects, including deafness, cataracts, heart defects, liver and spleen damage, brain damage, and possibly even stillbirth. So we vaccinate kids to prevent, to essentially protect their pregnant teachers and mothers with their soon to be babies. And also hoping that this will provide protection for women when they choose to carry life. Rubella is the most risky to the growing baby in the first trimester and only somewhat risky in the second trimester. And there is actually no risk in the third trimester. Rubella is actually so rare. It's actually been declared eliminated in the United States in 2004. There's about one to two cases every single year in the United States. How many babies are born each year with rubella-induced birth defects? These are actually called congenital rubella syndrome or CRS. And over the past two decades, about 10 babies have been born with CRS each year. In the past few years, this has declined to only about three babies each year. So very, very, very rare, possible, but very, very, very rare. So let's take a minute and talk about how the vaccine is made. So the vaccine is a very complicated manufacturing process because we are taking three viruses. We are taking three live viruses and growing them and nurturing them and putting them together in a vial to be injected into our children. So the first is the rubellus. So a baby was terminated in about 1960 and that baby was actually infected with the rubella virus. And they take the rubella virus out of that baby. And this is actually the rubella virus that they have been using all of these years and they keep using year after year. And how they keep using this is they take this initial rubella virus and they are multiplying it and growing it in other fetal cells. So other fetal cell lines, then they take the other strains. So then they take the measles and the mumps viruses, both of these together, they take these and nourish them in cultures of chicken embryo cells. They nourish these chicken embryo cells with cow blood. And then they say they take the rubella out of the fetal embryo. And then they take the measles and the mumps out of the chicken embryos. And then they essentially keep them alive by sterilizing them with some antibiotics and mixing them in a solution of saline, amino acids, vitamins, glutamate, serum from a cow fetus, sugar, gelatin, neomycin, an antibiotic, and synthetic album proteins. These album proteins are essentially genetically modified human blood proteins. 
So once again, we see a lot of ingredients in the final solution. We see the three viruses. We see the saline solution, sugars, gelatin. We have that synthetic album proteins, residual calcitus serum, neomycin, the antibiotic traces of chick embryo proteins, as well as the fetal lung cells from the aborted fetal tissue. And that is called WI-38. This process is so extremely complicated because you are taking numerous on numerous on numerous of nutrients to keep the chicken embryo cells and human cell and human lung cells alive so that the virus, the viruses can keep using the cells to multiply. As we see in this live virus vaccination, we don't have many harsh adjuvants. So we don't see aluminum. We don't see formaldehyde. We don't see other harsh, harsh, toxic, heavy metal ingredients. But we do see with the lung fetal tissue and the cow blood, as well as a lot of antibiotics and that neomycin to help sterilize and to help keep these live viruses living and sterile. So talking about the vaccine and specifics. So let's first talk about what we see in VAERS. So VAERS, the Vaccine Adverse Effects Reporting System, has 10,000 serious side effects reported and 500 fatal events reported to VAERS. In vaccine court, we have 1,300 claims of severe reaction and 82 claims of fatalities from the MMR vaccine. Live viruses in general, especially in vaccines, attack the immune system much stronger. So you're going to see a lot of these side effects from the MMR vaccination is a lot of autoimmune triggers. You'll see that there's actually a lot of warnings in the inserts of people who are immunocompromised that they should actually avoid this vaccine because of those live ingredients. Any side effect that comes from measles, mumps, and rubella can actually be a side effect from the vaccine. So sharing some of the side effects that are included on the vaccine insert Merck, which is the manufacturer's name for the MMR vaccine, they have listed on their vaccine insert that I will always include in the show notes. They have fever, atypical measles, fainting, headache, dizziness, irritability, vasculitis, pancreatitis, diarrhea, vomiting, encephalitis, encephalopathy, measles, inclusion, body encephalitis, M-I-B-E, subacute sclerosing pencephalitis, S-S-P-E, a measles-like rash, arrhythmia, nausea, epidemitis, retinitis, sore throat, cough, pneumoniitis, Guillain-Barre syndrome, GBS, transverse myelitis, free bryo seizures, free bryo convulsions, pneumonia, Stevens-Johnson syndrome, conjunctivitis, pink eye, injection site reactions, pain, arrhythmia, swelling, and vasculation, acute hemorrhage edema of infancy. The list is very long and there's a lot of words on here I can't pronounce, but there is a lot of side effects that come from this vaccination. And I just want I just want to show you guys how similar this live virus vaccine 
symptoms are to the actual disease itself. And this is a huge controversy that comes from live virus vaccine is the idea of shedding and the idea that not only can you potentially get that virus itself because it's live, they have no way to tell you if you might actually develop a full-blown case of that virus because you are injecting it into your body, but you also could shed it to other people because it is live. So looking at the symptoms of the vaccine, so first, measles symptoms. According to the CDC, typical measles symptoms are high fever, cough, runny nose, pink eye, and measles rash. Coplex spots, which are tiny white spots inside the mouth, and measles rash. According to Merck, there are adverse reactions from MMR. Fever, cough, stuffy runny nose, pink eye, measles-like rash, atypical measles, which is high fever, absence of coplex spot, a much more shortened period, atypical rash or pneumonia, ear infection, diarrhea, and hearing loss, which those are also complications that we shared for measles. So if this were a math equation, this product could prevent coplic spots. However, it could also cause pneumonia plus 52 other adverse reactions that are listed. So essentially only one reported symptom of the actual measles is not reported on the vaccine insert as a side effect to the MMR vaccination. That's interesting. Let's look at mumps. According to the CDC, there are typical mumps symptoms that include swollen salivary glands, fever, headache, muscle aches, tiredness, loss of appetite, more further complications that include testicle inflammation or even a decrease in size, which is test testicular atrophy. You could have ovaries or breast tissue inflammation, pancreatitis, encephalitis, meningitis, deafness. According to Merck, there are adverse reactions from MMR, which include swollen savory glands, fever, headache, muscle pain, joint pain, arthritis, loss of muscle control, weakness, testicle inflammation, sperm inflammation, pancreatitis, encephalitis, encephalopathy, transverse myelitis, Guillain-Barre syndrome nerve deafness or hearing loss. You guys seeing some similarities here? Let's move on to the last one, rubella. Rubella, a virus that hardly ever shows symptoms, let alone if they are, they're so minor. But according to the CDC, if you do show symptoms, they would include a low-grade fever, headache, mild pink eye, general discomfort, swollen, enlarged lymph nodes, cough, or runny nose. According to Merck, these are adverse reactions from the MR vaccine. Fever, headache, pink eye, general discomfort, swollen or enlarged lymph nodes, cough, or stuffy or runny nose. So many of the vaccination symptoms or side effects from the vaccination are nearly identical to the actual virus itself. This vaccine has the longest and most serious reported reactions. It's the most controversial of the vaccines when it comes to possible side effects. Measles is so extremely rare in most cases harmless. The chance that a child will catch measles and be one of the rare fatalities is so low. Mumps and rubella are mild disease in children and both are rare 
Some parents simply don't worry about vaccinating for diseases that are both mild and rare. And yet we don't have a choice. If you choose to say, let's say there is a mumps outbreak and you just want to be protected, or let's say that you are just so afraid of your unborn child before you get pregnant and you want to protect them against rubella. You can't just pick one or the other. And not only could you potentially be getting just the MMR, but there's actually the ProQuad, which is the MMR plus the chicken pox. And this not only adds on a whole nother vaccine, but this also increases your chance of febrile seizures much more because of the additional combo to this vaccine. Something else very interesting that I wanted to share about this vaccine, just the study of measles and mumps in general, is a study was done that showed if someone was to have a live measles virus, then shortly after got the mumps, they were much more likely to have an inflammatory bowel issue than if they were to have these viruses further apart. Therefore, thinking about getting these at the same time, like in a vaccine, when these vaccines are actually given live viruses of measles and mumps and rubella at the same time, does that correlate with the kids who suffer from stomach issues after the vaccine? Dr. Andrew Wakefield wanted to research this correlation between mumps and measles and the anti-inflammatory bowel syndromes. It was actually a 250-page report stating it's actually not safe. He wanted vaccines. He was actually pro-vaccines, but he didn't agree with the combo of the MMR vaccine because he found that in a hundred of peer-reviewed studies that showed chronic conditions with MMR vaccines that included neurological disorders, bowel diseases, sensory diseases, sensory issues, blood diseases, all following the MMR vaccine. And it just so happens that when Dr. Andrew Wakefield's report came out, six months later was when there was no way to get a single vaccine. That sounds suspicious to me. Going back to the vaccine insert, as I shared many of the long line of adverse reactions, we also have the infamous 13.1. 13.1 states that the MMR vaccine has not been evaluated for carcinogenic or mutagenic potential or impairment of fertility. Once again, this means that this vaccine has not been studied to tell you if it could cause cancer or potential impairment on fertility in men and women. So much of vaccine education and informed consent has to do with knowing the risks and knowing the benefits and knowing the potentials and knowing what you know to make that decision. Did you know that someone who has the measles virus naturally actually has a four times stronger immune system to protect you from developing a cancer in your future? Natural immunity to measles Build your immune system so much that it can protect you from getting cancer in the future. Now, I'm not saying it will prevent you, but it makes you four times less likely to develop cancer in the future. But you would never know this. Your doctor would never tell you this because they just need to push this vaccine that very controversially has side effects that are the symptoms of these viruses. One may conclude that it could be very possible that this vaccine is actually giving these children these viruses. 
If you look at recent outbreaks, like the infamous Disney outbreak in 2019, almost 100% of that community was vaccinated. There are outbreaks that are happening in vaccinated communities because this is a live virus vaccine. A live virus vaccine that has three viruses in one that is attacking our children's immune system for viruses that are so mild and so rare, they cause almost no concern. Many argue that this vaccine is actually more concerning than getting measles, mumps, or rubella. But it's on the CDC schedule. And if you don't know better, and if you don't ask questions, you'll probably be getting this because your doctor told you to do so. But all it takes is a little bit of research and a little bit of education on each virus and what there is to know and the risks and the benefits, the benefits of getting the vaccine, the risks of not getting the vaccine, what you could do to help yourself. I mean, vitamin A in itself, if you are afraid of measles, you should be taking vitamin A or eating foods that are rich in vitamin A like eggs or beef liver that are very rich in vitamin A. I always say, and I will always keep saying, know better, do better. When we know better, we can do better. And if that means that you know what there is to know and you still choose to get this vaccine, you're still doing better than most because most people won't even do the research. Most people are trusting their doctors to do the research, but I can guarantee you there's no way your doctor knows everything there is to know about vaccines because your pediatrician is not a vaccine specialist. They are there to give the injections and maybe answer a few questions, but I guarantee you a lot of these doctors don't even know anything about vaccines other than the schedule, a little bit about each disease, and when they're supposed to administer them and how often. They don't know things like side effects. They don't know what to look out for. They don't know the risks. They don't know 13.1. They don't know that these vaccines haven't been studied for carcinogenic effects. We aren't even through the vaccine schedule. We are only to our children's 12 month visits. All of these vaccines that we've talked about up to this point are vaccines given to our babies. All of this stuff, all of this junk, all this harsh toxins, live viruses, cow blood, antibiotics. And we wonder why we have one of the highest infant mortality rates. I can tell you what it isn't. I am not one to say that it has anything to do 100% with vaccinations, but I think it's time we start asking the questions. How are our kids not the healthiest kids if these vaccines really, truly do work? Why are our children one of the sickest children across the, across the world with industrialized countries? We should be able to ask the questions without being labeled a conspiracy theorist, period. I want to start ending my shows sharing some of the reviews that I received because some of you guys have been leaving me the sweetest reviews. And as I always share, reviews are everything for me and growing this podcast. I appreciate your reviews more than you know. So like I said, I want to start sharing some of the reviews that I have gotten because you guys are so awesome. So I first want to give a huge shout out to... Asklick06, she shared from a nurse point of view, 
I can't say enough good things about this podcast. I have been a nurse for about 12 years and can honestly say that there is more well-rounded information here than what I have been trained to know. There is so much information available to us, but all the information isn't always given. Thank you for delivering facts and not just what people want to hear. Thank you for challenging listeners to truly think outside of the box and to be open to another way of thinking. Thank you so much for this review. Truly means the world to me. And thank you all for all of your other reviews. And I will be back on next week's episode, continuing through our CDC schedule. We are almost through you guys, but it's kind of mind blowing that this is taking so long, but that's just how long of the vaccine schedule we have. So thank you for tuning in this week, week after week, and I will be back next episode with more vaccines in the CDC schedule.